my name's Tina Waldrum. I'm the host of this podcast. This show is all about giving you, the listener, actionable insights to share your faith. I interview church leaders and congregation members alike to gain some understanding that both you and I can implement to share Jesus. Every week I work hard to locate and interview someone who can share their experience. Can you do me a favour? Would you mind sharing today's episode with one or two people that you know? One or two people that would be encouraged, that would be helped by today's content. Just copy the link and send it on via text or email. I'd love to see more people encouraged to share their faith. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum and today I'm speaking with Stu Cameron, who's the CEO and Superintendent of Wesley Mission. And today we're going to be talking about taking opportunities to connect people to the gospel. Welcome to you, Stu. Great to be with you, Tina, and with your listeners. Amazing to have someone talking from Wesley Mission, such an incredible organisation, always had a great evangelistic fervour about the organisation. Tell us a little bit about Wesley Mission. Mm, Love to do that. We trace our history back to 1812, so we're one of the oldest organisations, not only in Sydney, but in the nation. And uh, You know, the first Methodist church was established in the rocks um, by three uh, Methodists, one of whom was a a convict. And first chapel was built in Sydney in 1819. And the same year they built uh, a homeless shelter. So that whole word and deed emphasis that carries us forward to this day, you know, was established then. 1884, our current form was established by a remarkable evangelist, a man called W.G. Taylor, who led the mission for about 30 years and saw remarkable growth and and gospel fruit. And now we've continued on since then um, with, again, some remarkable leads. I'm the 10th person to serve in this role of CEO and superintendent, but some names that some of your listeners will be familiar with, like Sir Alan Walker, Gordon Moyes, my immediate predecessor, Keith Garner, uh, have left remarkable legacies. And so today, just to roll forward to, to this moment, we are a church and community services organisation. So we have 11 congregations that, that, that worship in English, Mandarin, Bahasa, Indonesian, Samoan every Sunday. And so I lead those 11 congregations so, uh, and we have pastors for each of those. And, and then we have community services, 60 different services, 130 locations around New South Wales and Australia and about 2,500 staff. So it's a big, complex, wonderful, glorious beast. <laughs> it's amazing and what an incredible contribution to the nation and mm. what's going on in reaching people for Christ and bringing restoration. You've been in the role as CEO for just over 18 months. Yeah, that's right. What's always interesting for me is when someone comes in, what opportunities they start to see for the gospel. So let's talk a little bit about that. When you came in, where was the organisation and what did you see, you know, in those first short few months about new opportunities? It's a great question, Tina. I mean, obviously, when I transitioned to the role, we're in the midst of the pandemic. We were actually, it was just preceding the Delta outbreak. We thought we were coming out of the pandemic, but Delta was around the corner, then Omicron. But, you know, that had a profound impact on a, you know, a service organisation like ourselves with residential care and other things. So, yeah, a lot of challenges, but the organisation had not only survived those challenges, but thrived through it. Um, and we come out of a period of quite significant growth as well particularly in our community services. So a lot of expansion, particularly regionally, uh, New South Wales, 
but also in Sydney. So I got around with, with my wife, Sue, and we visited a lot of those locations. And what I discovered was amazingly passionate congregational members, pastors, but also community services workers who were just passionate about doing all the good that they could which is really our vision to do all the good that we can because every life matters. Um, and that ties back to our Wesleyan roots and to continue the work of Jesus Christ in word and deed, which is our, our mission statement, which is again, uh, just a reflection of those Wesleyan roots. So I, I saw a passionate, focused, uh, driven organization um, that wanted to make a real difference in the world. And, and with a lot of opportunities to, to leverage those footprints that we have in different places and different services uh, for even greater gospel fruit. Yeah, so let's talk about that because that's a great comment that you started to see greater opportunities to leverage the footprint in those spaces. So what was it that you saw that all of a sudden, you know, kind of sparked some excitement within you? Look, I mean, I came to the role, I'd served for 15 years as lead minister at New Life Church on the Gold Coast. We'd planted uh, four churches and you know, see God, by his grace, grow us over those 15 years. And we also had, by Wesley standards, a small but still a significant community services footprint. And what I saw with Wesley was that we had we have our congregations, all but two of them are based in the city, uh, but our community services are scattered all over. And a number of them are in places where the church is not thick on the ground. I mean by that, the gathered church, the worshipping community. But we have these really long-term presence um, in these places and a lot of credibility. So in South and Western Sydney, in some of the regional areas as well, in Newcastle and other places, where there are not many churches, um, where there's great opportunity for us to proclaim the gospel, not just in deed, but also in word, and to uh, pioneer new forms of churches that are contextually appropriate for those places. I mean, some parts of West and Southwest Sydney, they're very different from very middle class uh, Gold Coast where I came from. But the gospel still is good news there as it is on the Gold Coast. It's just a matter of proclaiming an unchanging message to a changed or a different context. Yes, absolutely. And can I say, I, I just don't know why you left the Gold Coast, but being a Melbourneian. Oh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And coming to Sydney, I think we brought all the rain from Queensland with us. So there you right. go. Very jealous. In Melbourne, it's very cold and is very cold mm. now as we're doing mm. this recording. Mm. So you recognise those opportunities uh, where there's a, a, a presence there in the communities. What are the next type of questions that you then ask and gather your team to ask about how how do we move forward with these opportunities for the gospel? Yeah. Well, a really key question for me as a, as a Christian leader is, is a question of stewardship. Um, you know, God, it's the que- asking myself the question, God, what have you placed in my hands, in our hands, and how can we maximise or steward that for your glory? So that, that obviously that's land and buildings and financial resources, people, but also the opportunities. And the fact that we have been uh, providing community housing in a Miller, which is a suburb near Liverpool in southwest Sydney for, for decades now, uh, we've got a long established presence there and real credibility in the area or in Newcastle in Windale and Hamilton South. You know, where there are real challenges for the community there, but real opportunity for the gospel. How do we maximise and steward those opportunities uh, to see gospel fruit there? So that was the first question. And then, you know, prayerfully uh, considering that question, having conversation with others, um, and, you know, just, I mean, God has a way of going ahead of us. 
I often will say that uh, I don't have particularly a, a wonderful gift of uh, prophetic insight. I have the spiritual gift of hindsight. And uh, I can see how God orders our steps as I look back. And certainly that's been the case for Wesley Mission. Um, as we were considering all of that, it, God was aligning opportunities to have conversations with other partners uh, who could support us in our work, who we could learn from. And out of that emerged this idea as, as myself and our senior leaders talked about it, prayed about it, of establishing, you know, planting churches in those places, but a very different form of church, what we call missional communities, um, uh, that is uh, a church that is contextually appropriate uh, for the context where a traditional church would not thrive, indeed would not survive. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about that then, you know, contextualising something for an area, recognising that there's an opportunity for the gospel and then going through that process of making sure this is the right fit, or, or we use the word contextualisation, don't we? But let's unpack the term. What does that mean in its entirety when you thought that through with your team? Look, I mean, out of those conversations, and we had great conversations with, um, I'm not sure if you've had them on your podcast, but Toby Baxter and Mark Matthews from Empowered Faith Communities and others who are doing similar work, people doing work with with refugee communities um, in, uh, you know, urban villages and high-rises, et cetera. And out of that emerged, uh, I guess, six, six underpinning principles that, you know, we're using, which are helping form and shape those communities. We want to establish in these places and these through these missional communities a church of all and for all. So it, it, the leadership comes from within. Uh, we don't want to impose a particular form of leadership on a community, but we want to develop leadership from within. So a more organic approach, a less programmatic approach. We want to be absolutely aligned and focused on the fact that we want to establish communities where people can say yes to Jesus. I believe passionately that God has already said yes uh, to us in and through Jesus. You know, it's absolutely unequivocal. God loves us and is for us, and it, it, there's an opportunity for us to respond and to invite people to say yes to the to the God who's already said yes to them. We want to be in, in, embedded, incarnated in those communities. So we're not flying in, flying out, but we're part of the fabric of that community. We're not doing mission for, but we're doing mission with and alongside. So places of presence. Transformation of place. We, we want to be in these places, some of which you know face really big social and other challenges, but we want to see over the long term a transformation of that place. We believe the gospel doesn't just change hearts, it changes communities. You see that in the pattern of the early church who turned their world upside down. We want them to be places of celebration. And that's why meals and hospitality and those sorts of things are really important. And we're already seeing that unfolding in some of the work that we're doing. So it was really prayerfully reflecting, you know, as God was forming and shaping this vision in us, what are going to be the guiding principles? It's going to look different in Hamilton and Windale as it does to Liverpool in the south or Glebe in the inner, inner west um, or other places that God leads us to. But what are the guiding principles are going to, that are going to connect those places uh, and will be lived out in different ways? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's such a hard uh, route to take sometimes, isn't it, to mm. try and say, well, we have an opportunity, but how should it look here? Because sometimes it's just easier to do what we've always done. 100%, 100%. I mean, the, the great thing about being in an organisation that has this, you know, 210-year history is that there are so many stories in our past that, that inform our present 
and our future. I mean, one story that, that relates to this, 1966, the year I was born, Noreen Towers, uh, who was a 23-year-old deaconess in the Methodist Church, um, still alive, amazing woman, and Alan Walker, who was a superintendent at the time, sent her down to Darlinghurst to revive a dying church. He said, he just gave her marching orders, go and do what you can. She arrives, there's a small church, half a dozen or so elderly, you know, depressed older people thinking that they're about to close the doors and Noreen doesn't know what to do. And she she's walking along the street and she sees a couple of uh, uh, homeless men literally in the gutter who were recovering from the night before and she invites them to the church and to a shock they come. Uh, they encounter Jesus and they invite their friends and within months she, there's 200 mostly homeless men and women who are gathered in that community. God is doing a new work. And, you know, it was just through that power of invitation, the power of being open to the Spirit's work in that place. And, and that work that began in 1966 continues to this day. I, I worship with that community that's now relocated to Surrey Hills at Edward Eager Crisis Accommodation Centre. And residents of that centre, former residents, they come. They don't just get their physical needs met. They encounter Jesus. Uh, and so we have those stories of, of leaders who dare to take the context seriously, who dare to believe that God has gone ahead of them and to offer invitations to, for people to encounter Jesus. And I think if we keep that in mind, if we, if we remind ourselves of those principles, then God will carry us into even greater adventures in the future. Yes, so so great to hear because sometimes we, you can get stuck. I mean, you're the CEO and superintendent. You yourself could kind of be stuck by, oh, well, we've done it this way and we're going to do it that way. What do you think the barriers are really for people that are leading organisations or, or just everyday people to really step into opportunities that are new? If you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit into new ways and new places, what are the other barriers you think that we need to overcome? I think often, you know, and speaking from my own experience, I mean, I, look, I, I'm an entrepreneurial type leader, um, you know, I love to pioneer, but but even even still, I mean, I, there are times where fear, anxiety, worry, concern, you know, what if it doesn't work? Uh, and, and the reality is if you're going to be a pioneering leader, you're going to fail. I mean, there are going to be times that it just does not work as you anticipate it will or it will go in a completely different direction. So for me, the question is not about whether or not, I will or we will fail. We will, guaranteed, in this process of establishing missional communities. We'll make some big mistakes. It's a matter of whether we fail forward or not. Uh, it's a matter of whether we uh, we recognise that that's part of, of uh, the process, um, that God is still with us, that he's not abandoned us, that if we passionately believe that God has established this vision in our heart, as I absolutely do, uh, that God will uh, empower and equip. I mean, I love the scripture that says, faithful is the one who calls you, but he will also do it. Uh, and so we believe that, you know, we, we're not doing stuff for God. We're doing stuff with God, that God goes with us. So I think just the barrier, I think, is forgetting that, that really important fact and allowing fear and anxiety, worry, reputational risk to overwhelm us and, uh, you know, failing to, to trust uh, our present and our future to God. I, mean, I know that's a very generic answer, but I think fundamentally that's it. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the time for the church to, uh, you know, and I mean the church in Australia in, in this respect especially, it's time for the church to, to, uh, to pioneer, and pioneering involves risk. 
<laughs> and it's such a word that we don't like to hear. I come from conservative Victoria. No, well, in my role here, you know, I, I'm always dealing with, you know, managing risk and, you know, it's a, it's a, I lead an organisation that has a budget around $300 billion and so you have to take all those things seriously. Um, but, you know, uh, Jesus uh, beckons us from out on the water to come and to follow uh, and, uh, you know, to step out of the boat, that's going to involve some risk. Uh, and but I think the risk is well placed because we're trusting ourselves to the one who goes ahead. Yes, absolutely. And if I was you know, perfectly honest with you, that the deepest things that I understand about Christ personally, and then in the, in the field of evangelism, the things that I've learnt, even working with I worked with churches for thirty plus years, the greatest lessons and understandings have actually come through those times where I have failed for lack of a better word. But I think that failing forward attitude that you're saying is crucial if people want to grab the opportunities that are in front of us now. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And look at my time at New Life, we as I said, we planted four churches and each of them were different. And each one after the other, we learned from the one before. Um, you know, things that we would do again, things we wouldn't do again, uh, and that's just part of the iterative process that you, you you constantly are looking. Again, it's part of the stewardship thing for me as a leader. You're saying, how can I improve this? How can we be better at this? How can we more be more impactful? And uh, you learn as you go. I mean, God gives us uh, you know, the ability to comprehend these things, to use our minds as well as our hearts, uh, our spirit. Uh, and I think we should you know, utilise those each and every time. <laughs> Big lessons. We could do a whole entire interview just around that, couldn't we? <laughs> no, yeah, we could indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Every leader organisation that has an impact, when you look closely, or you don't even have to look closely at the story, you'll discover a story of many, a multitude of failures, um, you know, small and large, but which... Uh, I learn from and which become the launching pad to, to great fruitfulness. I mean, and the scriptures teach us that as well. Uh, the stories of women and men who God has used as, as broken vessels to be able to uh, reveal his glory. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that at the time that we're living in, how much has COVID given us opportunities, new opportunities to take the gospel? Yeah, look, I think there's enormous opportunity. I mean, I look, I, I'm just this morning you know, before our interview, I was having a conversation with our pastors and chaplains. And we've got 14 chaplains that serve across Wesley Mission. And they were sharing stories about you know, staff members and clients, you know, who've come to faith and, and spiritual conversations that are taking place in the context of the workplace of, of people, um, you know, leading devotionals from, from a Bible, um, even though they're not yet a follower of Jesus, but they're on that journey of discovery. I think there's an enormous spiritual appetite in our community, a hunger and a thirst. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, we would, <laughs> there is an opportunity that uh, we have to and we should be embracing. You know, I, I think people still find the person of Jesus compelling. Uh, <laughs> no surprise there. Uh, they still find the story of the gospel as weird and wonderful as it is, as something that draws them in uh, when it's told to them in compelling and, and creative ways. So uh, and the gospel still, I mean, I could put it crudely, the gospel still works. It still bears fruit. Uh, it's the power of God unto salvation. 
And uh, you know, that's what we're seeing and witnessing across Wesley Mission. There's a hunger and a thirst uh, that's come out of COVID. You know, we talk about all the isolation people have experienced, the challenges they've had. And, and then, so people are asking big questions. Um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of a disruption that opens up. And, and, and the history of global history about, around pandemics tells us this. It's a time of political, social and religious upheaval. So it's a time for the church to shine and for the gospel to really be shone forth. Yeah, amen to that. I wonder if you can, it might be a bit of a big question for you, Stu, but could you give me your top two thoughts on, all right, I as a person, I am leading an organisation, I leading my church, want to take the opportunities that are in front of me to take the gospel and to connect people with the gospel, what are your top two thoughts? What should I really be trying to work through? For me personally, where the God-breathed vision, uh, where the the fruitful uh, gospel ministry has been birthed from has been my time with God. So if you're a leader, um, you can't strategize your way into revival or you can't, you can't plan your way into pioneering. Those things are important. Planning and strategy is important, but it has to be birthed from the Spirit. It has to be a God-given vision. And so spending time fasting, praying, journaling, uh, pouring over Scripture, you know, listening for God, asking God to speak, and then believing that He will speak, I think is, is for me, a, a fundamental you know, first principle for any pioneering leader, it, it has to be a God-breathed vision. Um, you know, for us, you know, a word that God's really laid on our heart in this season is from Ezekiel where, you know, the water flows from the temple and, and makes the, the Dead Sea come alive. And there's a scripture that says where everywhere where the water flows, uh, life flourishes. And so we want to be attentive. Where is, the, where is the river of God's spirit flowing? We want to flow with the river. We don't want to try and carve out our own channel. Uh, we want to flow with that river because we know if we flow with that river, we will thrive, but also those around us will thrive. We will like those trees planted by streams of living water the psalmist talks about. So I think spending time with God for me is absolutely fundamental and primary. Secondly, I think um, there's so much we can learn from others. You know, I, I think too often in the Australian church we keep in our silos we fall into the trap. I don't think many people believe this 100%, but we can, we can forget that there is so much wisdom, um, learned experience in others. That's what has been fantastic for us on this journey towards establishing and pioneering missional communities. We've learned a heap from so many others who have done remarkable work. And so I think, number one, you know, listen for the voice of God. And number two, listen for the voice of God through others. You know, I'll often say that I don't have many original ideas or thoughts. I'm a great plagiarizer, um, you know, uh, in terms of learning from the wisdom and the learned experience of others. And uh, I think in the church, uh, God is doing so many remarkable things across, you know, this wonderfully diverse, crazy family we're a part of. Let's learn from each other. Yes, amen. And I know, um, oh gosh, I really want to yell amen. One of the big things the Lord spoke to me was about, you know, if you want to see a nation come to Christ, people need to work together, you know, individually, organisations, churches, all of that. And a lot of it is that uh, shared wisdom and things like that. Yeah, I mean, just on that team, I mean, I, th I think, 
you know, this is one of the things we learned on the Gold Coast. You know, we, we saw the fruit of this uh, as pastors and churches came together. You know, that again, the psalmist says, you know, where, where brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, God commands a blessing. God commands a blessing. Uh, so if we want to see our nation reach for Christ, it, 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 again, unity is a, is a fundamental principle. And unity that's more than just, you know, you know, you know, knowing who we are, but it's actually learning from each other, having the humility um, to actually learn from, support, encourage, walk with, weep with, laugh with, celebrate with each other. Yes, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, this has been a fantastic interview. So many rich and deep things there that we've talked about that I'll be going over and over again. So I'm going to drop into the show notes today um, all the links to stay connected to Wesley Mission and what's going on there and also link you through to some other podcast episodes where you can keep this conversation going in your own life. So, Stu, thank you so much for your time today. Tina, thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Win Win Evangelism podcast today. If this was helpful for you, please share it with others so they can learn also. If you, your small group or your church would like to upskill more in personal evangelism, learn how it can be easy, natural and not forced, why don't you check out our online free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. I trust that our podcast and our online personal evangelism course can be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.